presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 230, Fly Again, coming up next in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Well, welcome, everybody, to the show about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Joining me on the show today is, well, we have a special guest today. Uh, You've heard him on the podcast in the past, but before we begin, first, a few words from our sponsor. Do you want to pursue a career in aviation as a pilot, air traffic controller, mechanic, or dispatcher? Or do you just want to earn that commercial or instrument rating, but you need help paying for it? The Aerospace Scholarships Guide at AviationCareersPodcast.com has over $50 million in available scholarships. Many of these go unused because people don't apply for them. For just $10, you'll receive a full-year subscription to the guide, which is updated monthly. Every scholarship is personally verified to make sure it's accurate and still available. More information is at AviationCareersPodcast.com. Also, before we begin, I do want to uh, say hello to all the other special guests that are here, co-hosts on the Stuck Mike Avcast. Joining us this evening is Larry Overstreet. Hey, Larry, welcome to the show. It's been a few episodes since you've been on, man. It has, I know. Uh, Hello from uh, San Antonio, Texas. That's where I was going to ask you. San Antonio, beautiful area, great airport, and a wonderful place to visit, isn't it? Absolutely. All kinds of fun. (laughs) Also joining us is uh, from the, uh, actually I was just in your backyard yesterday, is Rick Felty. Hey Rick, welcome. Hey, you know, I thought I saw you in my backyard. I did. I waved. I was like right (laughs) over you on the arrival there and I said, hey, there's Rick and I waved. (laughs) Beautiful weather you had here, much better than Minneapolis where I was uh, that evening. A lot of snow and rain, but uh, what a a great place to fly in the the, uh, Boston area. I absolutely love it up there. Uh, As a matter of fact, one day Rick Felty and I are going to actually meet each other. You know, we still haven't met yet since the beginning. Uh, So I don't know. Let's go for the record. I I know. (laughs) We will. We'll definitely get together yeah no joining us from the center of the com- country though is uh russ rosleski hey russ welcome hey carl it is great to be back on again yeah just like larry it's been several episodes you've been doing all these great interview episodes so it's great to get back together again yeah and well i'm gonna explain that in a minute after after i do the intro as to why that happened but uh tom frick also welcome from sunny i think where are you sunny florida is that right i am in sunny florida ah. and uh it's uh, another beautiful night here it is gorgeous, except for the, you know, in the morning. People don't realize this. We do have instrument weather here in Florida, and we've been having a lot of that lately, a lot of really hard IFR, good quarter-mile visibility. So joining us also is Victoria Newville. Victoria, welcome. Uh, you're actually in the, uh, in the the around the D.C. area. I'll call it that. Welcome. Hello, hello. It's also gross and IFR here. 
Yeah, it's IFR even in the afternoon where we just have that in the morning. Even though it was IFR this morning, I did jump in my pool and go swimming in the afternoon. Uh, also, before we get started, a couple of announcements. Uh, I actually am getting my plane back in another day, so I can't wait to get back flying in that thing. Uh, Tom Frick and I have, we actually had a rent-a-plane last time. Oh, my God, I actually had to pay for an airplane. We had a blast actually flying over to the coast, so that was that was really cool. This is actually a really special episode. I'm very excited about it, uh, but before before we get started, a couple of things. I know I mentioned uh, Larry actually in the announcement there mentioned uh, that there is a scholarships guide. We have 60 new scholarships with three updates. Uh, so if you are looking for something to continue your flying adventure, doesn't have to be a career look into getting a scholarship all the new scholarships are hitting now you can see all the advertisements out there there's a bunch of really new great scholarships many organizations have over a million dollars in scholarships they want to give away just so that you can keep moving forward with your flying maybe you want to get an instrument rating do some aerobatics maybe you want to go fly a glider get a seaplane rating get your cfi just like uh, uh, victoria did it's a really really great opportunity so think about doing that also another thing we did by the way we started a patreon account because people have been asking you know how can i I actually pay it forward. We had the traditional pay it forward campaign, but if you become a patron of this podcast, then we will actually, for every $10, give away one scholarships guide. And remember, we have over $50 million in scholarships in that guide now. been many years that we've been putting that together. So check that out. Consider becoming a patron of this podcast. It's been really, really a, an adventure, that's for sure. Also, as far as news and announcements, we have our next live event, that our next scheduled, I should say, because every so often I do pop in and, and do some interviews in different places. Our next live event is at Sun and Fun Aerospace Expo, March 31st through April 5th. And uh, we're really excited because, you know, uh, one thing I want to mention, if you listen to liveatc.net slash SNF, you're bound to hear somebody from the Stuck Mike Avcast. If you just listen for an hour, you're going to hear one of the crew there. That is the one thing that we do. Once a year where we give back to the aviation community, we help put together the live show at Sun and Fun on the radio, and they're really doing a great job. They're starting a podcast and everything, so we're excited about that uh, moving forward. Also, another announcement. A person that you haven't heard on the podcast in a while, but he is coming back and he's going to be on the show a few more times. He says he's trying to mix it in with his work schedule is Sean Moody. And a big shout out to Sean for completing his CFI. So the hat's off to you, Sean. Wonderful job in, in doing that. That really is terrific. Um, one thing, too, I wanted to mention is... Normally, I don't talk about careers on this podcast, and uh, I do want to mention a, a congratulations to somebody who's really special to me that just, um, I helped him out through uh, interviews, and he, obviously, he did most of it on there his own, but uh, he got accepted to what's called the United Airlines Aviate Program. That's a new program that United Airlines put together to get, uh, you know, new pilots into the pipeline to become airline pilots. You know, we have this big shortage going on, and that person's name is Clay Watley. And the reason that I mention his name on this podcast, it's going to become evident later on in the show where I talk a little bit more about that. You know, I think, uh, Tom, Frick, you, you had mentioned that I've been doing so many interviews. Well, uh, what happened is during the holiday season, I got kind of backed up with work and everything, and we had so many requests for interviews. And if you want to be on the show, just go to the side on Stuck Mike Avcast and click on I Want to Be a Guest on the Stuck Mike Avcast. And it's... Uh, it's actually it's great to hear some of these interviews and these people that want to come on and talk about their experiences. If you schedule with me, you know I have uh, an interesting schedule. Sometimes 
because we can't all get together. If you notice, we don't don't get together all the time because of the fact that it's just we're all over the country and it's hard to get together at 8.30 p.m. So I've been kind of doing that. It also, the other thing, from a selfish standpoint, it gave me a little bit of break from the podcast. I was uh, doing so much with some of the volunteer work I was doing. I just kind of had to get a break. And what happened is I kind of, uh, or what I did is I actually uh, put those interviews together in advance. But, uh, but we're back to the normal show. This is 2020, and we're really excited about the show going forward. Made a new commitment, by the way. Uh, something I want to say also to my co-host here is I think that this past year has had its challenges for, for both me and in my aviation and flying in, in some other personal ways. Uh, but I'm actually back and able to put a lot, a lot more time into this. I think, I think this is the year of no when it comes to volunteering my time, but it's the year of yes when it comes to actually flying airplanes. And uh, I'm making that commitment to you and all the other co-hosts here, so I'm really excited about that. But uh, anyway, guys, you guys ready for the show here this evening? I'm really excited to invite our, our guest in this evening, uh, and this is going to be a, a lot of fun. So let's get started with the cruise flight. Now entering cruise flight. You know, uh, something that's really been special in my life is the people that have uh, really inspired me to move forward with both my career and also podcasting. Podcasting has really changed my world and changed my life. And and I think, you know, we don't like to talk about, you know, numbers, bragging, et cetera. And I think sometimes it's too much. But, you know, we've had millions of downloads of our podcast between this and the, and the Aviation Careers podcast, the sister show. And we've had a lot of you folks reach out to us and say how we've inspired, um, you know, your life and in your career and also your flying. And one thing I, I'd have to say is that I just picked up the ball uh, when it was handed to me, but this podcast was actually produced by somebody else, and and you know the the person that put this together and the brainchild of it, that was Len Costa back in, and this goes back to May 9th, actually 2011, when the first episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast was actually published, and uh, Len Costa, the creator of the show and this show about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly, brought us both entertainment and informative content that, you know, continues till this day. You know, on April 2014, Len set off on this amazing journey outside of aviation with his incredible travels and experiences. Uh, I had a wonderful time, you know, following him. And one of the things that was wonderful is he offered to give me the podcast to continue on. And I, it's really changed my life. And if it wasn't for Len, I wouldn't have a lot of these opportunities. And uh, he's turned out to be a really good friend. Um, even in the years that we may not have talked for a while, it seems like uh, we still were connected either online, etc. But, uh, you know, one of the things that he has done is he's allowed me and he's inspired me to move forward with Aviation Careers Podcast. And when I said to him, hey, you know, there's nobody else out there doing this and I really want to find a podcast about careers. And we talked about it and said, hey, why don't you just do it? And that was life changing. I had no idea that it would turn into a business and we would also be publishing the largest scholar aviation and aerospace scholarships guide that's on the Internet now. And uh, in a Hats off to him and also the, the team. But, you know, I, you know, as, as I was talking to Len, he said, and this is I quote him online, is that, you know, in, you can take this person or the, the guy out of the aviation, but you can't take aviation out of the guy. And you know what? Now he's back. And today I am, like, so excited 
to have one of my friends and mentors back on the show to talk about his journey back to the flight deck and flying again. So welcome back, Lynn Costa. It's great to have you back on the show. Wow, it's great to be back. Look at all these fantastic people we have on today. I'm so excited to be here in front of the microphone again. And uh, back into the cockpit, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time catching up with everybody. Yeah, man. And uh, like I said, I mean, this is you've inspired so many people. Um, you know, I had a, a short note from somebody. I can't read the whole thing. There's some personal stuff in there, but uh, he had mentioned that he's been listening to the podcast for years. And and I'm not staging this. This happened today. At the end of the note, after he finished his personal journey and describing some of his challenges, he said that this really, this podcast has really inspired him. In his last sentence, he said, I really miss Len Costa. Well, you know what? He's back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sweet. You'll have to tell me who it is offline. Yes, I'd we love, will. We'll to send them a little note and say thank you for that. That's very kind. Yeah, I definitely will do that. But uh, it's great to have you back, man. And it's, it's really terrific. So um, before we, you know, we... We're going to get started about, you know, you're, you're leaving the cockpit. And, of course, uh, it started with your journey towards an airliner. And uh, as some people don't realize, because we have some other listeners, that, you know, Len and I actually met on the road uh, flying, as a matter of fact. Uh, we were flying together, and we had, <laughs> had a very interesting overnight. I think it was in Toronto or something like that. Um, we won't go into details, by the way, Len. And uh, without and, and we, we, and we didn't get arrested, but it was a great evening. And we came back, and we had a lot of fun flying. Flying uh, for many years later after that, and and it was really cool being introduced to some of the people that you introduced me. And aviation has been a lot of fun. But let's can we can we talk a little bit about that? We'll start with uh, I know you got you went to the airlines, you started flying, but you actually left for quite some time. Maybe you could give us some color and tell us a little bit about that journey as you left, and then and then we'll talk about your journey back to the cockpit. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a story that people ask me frequently, and to I guess to put it plainly, at one point, I had kind of realized to myself, gosh, I had I had achieved all the goals that I wanted in aviation. I, I wanted to fly for an airline. I wanted to fly a jet. I wanted to be a captain. And uh, at one point, I'm thinking to myself, what else is there? I could fly a bigger airplane farther distances. Uh, but, I, you know, I just I was in the mood for a change. I was in the mood for something different. So it uh, it kind of stemmed from just thinking like, and actually, I remember, um, Rick, we talked about this once, the quote, what do you plan to do with your one precious life? We actually talked yes. about that one time on a podcast. And uh, it just kind of always resonated with me. Like, if I only do aviation and I never try anything else or I never live anywhere else or I never do anything else, will I regret it? And the resounding answer was was a clear yes. So my decision to leave aviation was basically to say that um, that that I you know respect and realize that I had achieved all of those very specific goals and desires, and I was kind of at the top of the mountain there, even though I was still at a regional airline. But like I said, if I wanted to fly for the airlines, I wanted to fly a jet, I wanted to be a captain. So it's kind of at that at that pinnacle without uh, without going over to a major airline, uh, and just decided, hey, screw it, let's throw the dice and see what happens and try something different. Uh, so when when I left. In April of 2014, we um, I spent some time. I spent a lot of time in all kinds of different countries, but uh, I'm trying to do this in order. We went to. I was in Nepal for uh, for a month. I was in Bali for three months. 
Uh, went to Kuala Lumpur, Italy, Malta, Thailand, New Zealand. Um, spent a lot of time traveling around California, went back to Thailand, and then uh, ended up kind of moving back to California more permanently uh, in Southern Carol- Ca- uh, California for a while. So it was um, it was a lot of fun to just try something different, just say, screw it, let's uh, let's see what happens. So when you did come back to this, and or, or you went all these places, my question to you is, are there any regrets for doing that, or are you really happy you, you went off on that journey? Oh, I'm really happy, by all means. It's it's almost, if, if, <laughs> if anything, my greatest regret is, why am I still not there? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um but uh yeah no that was that was well well worth the journey well worth the experience and even everything in between all the different uh different projects i've worked on personal projects the different companies i've been involved in the different jobs i've had they've all added value and knowledge to my life that uh that i wouldn't have had otherwise uh, and it, it's all been beneficial. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have any regrets for doing any of it. And what I was most surprised was a lot of, like, some people when you kind of make a big change or transition like that, they, uh, uh, they kind of want to hold you back a little bit. They make some comments. So you're never going to be able to get another job. You're not going to be uh, be able to explain that absence. You're going to have trouble finding housing or this or that. And None of that stuff ever happened. I, I went into this job and they're like, so you haven't flown for six years? And I was like, nope, haven't flown for six years, but this is my experience. This is my education. This is what I've done this year to get recurrent. This is what I've done this year to to get myself re-immersed in this situation. And they're like, okay, cool. And it, you know, it was it was no big thing. Um, so it, it, it's, you just, if you don't go out there and try something new, you never know what's going to happen. I think that's a great quote right there. You, and I'm glad you did that, Len. And I, I know we've all left flying before and we're, we come back into it because it's, it's a passion that we all have. It's just we have to define uh, how we actually will fulfill that passion. And, you know, you, you talk about only working for a regional, et cetera. You know, there's a lot of people. That's where they want to be. That's what they want to do. And I think the most important thing from, from what I've learned from your journey is just do something you really love and you enjoy. Don't worry about it. You know, you, you're going you're gonna to make it. I mean, people, there's a lot of naysayers out there. Don't listen to the naysayers. Go out and try it. Do it. And the cool thing about you, Len, is that you've actually shown it and you've done it. One question I have, though, during these journeys, um, and, and a real honest answer here, did you, was there a point maybe that you looked to the skies, et cetera, and you maybe missed the flying portion? Only in the more recent years, and I had really wanted to get back into it more on the hobby level than a career level or even a job level. Uh, and so that's sort of when I started peeking to see what options were out there. Uh, but as far as like going back to maybe the airlines or other things, I, I was pretty at, at that point, like I was pretty certain I was never going back to flying, um, at least flying for money. So uh, this is kind of an interesting transition for me as well. <laughs> Something I didn't think would ever happen again. So, Len, you just- well, well, sorry, Carl. I, Len, when you were out out there on all these countries and such, did you do any any local flying, any any sightseeing, you know, demonstration flights or anything like that, or was it just you you quit cold turkey? 
Uh, pretty much cold turkey. There was uh, there's a couple of trips that were unrelated to this long journey where I was overseas. But uh, one one trip some years ago out I uh, was out in Hawaii, and actually when when we talk about how the podcast connects people, I actually had somebody who's a CFI out there who owned an airplane took me out in a Cirrus, and we went from Maui to Lanai to Molokai, and we flew all around the islands. And that would have never happened without the podcast. Uh, similar experience. Uh, the the guys from um, from Australia. Uh, when I was down visiting, uh, I was down there on vacation one time. Like Grant Heron took me up in uh, in his hot air balloon. The, that's not his, but the company he worked for at the time. He took me up in his hot air balloon. That's kind of really the only aviation I've done overseas. Uh, it was it's it's sort of. I guess you can always go with a local instructor, but to sort of get checked out and do a little bit of flying on your own, it has its challenges, not only with the local regulations, but uh, I think I think a lot of times if you're uh, to rent an airplane in a foreign country, um, I believe it has to be an N-registered airplane if you're an FAA certificated pilot. So it comes, it just comes with a kind of a, a different level of challenges. And of course, uh, I, think, I think we're all aware of the far vast difference in price and cost of uh, of general aviation overseas so uh, those are really sort of some of the reasons I didn't I didn't venture into it um, but I still have this one nagging goal where I would love to take a GA airplane and uh, and do a, a full uh, you know for a full earth rounding trip go around the globe and whether it takes a year or something like that but just kind of fly around the world um, and 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 take take it all in from that experience. So the, before we talk about the how, the the why you came back, I, I'm not sure, was there this one defining moment or was it just, yeah, hey, I want to go try that again or I haven't done this in a while. I mean, what do you remember that when you said, okay, this is it, I'm going to do this and, and tell us a little bit about that why, why it happened. Yeah, I do, I do. And... I don't know if I'm embarrassed to say, but part of it was part of it was money. Uh, I was looking at uh, you know what opportunities again were were locally. What um, I live I live now in a smaller town, so it's not like the job market isn't necessarily big. And so I was like, okay, well, you know what opportunities exist around here? And I knew some people in the local aviation scene, and they're all really kind to like connect me with other people and so I was like well you know it never it it never hurts to check things out and see what it's all about and um I had done in I think it was about February of last year I was doing my CFI uh renewal and um the idea of maybe getting back into flying was kind of coming around and so one one of the one of the guys that I know locally is like hey we like he works for a charter company, and they have various airplanes, from uh, Citations to Bombardiers to they have a Global Express. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to come back to aviation, I'm going to apply to be an FO on the Global Express. Like I'm going to go, I'm going, I'm going to go for the gold. I'm going to go for the top of the mountain here. I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. So uh, I actually applied for this job a couple of times. 
and uh, finally got a phone call. It was like, hey, we got your resume. And this was months later. Like, I didn't even know this was, this was going to happen. But I finally got a, a phone call some months later from one of the folks at the company and said, hey, we've got your resume. We're interested in talking to you. Uh, we did a tentative phone interview. And uh, he's like, okay, he's like, everything looks good. So here's what we're going to do next, he says to me. Uh, n- expect, to, expect to come in and meet us next Wednesday. Uh, we'll do some stuff together in person. I'll have you meet the team. We'll go fly the airplane. We'll take you out to dinner. Uh, you know, it's like if if you've got a spouse or a significant other, bring them with. You know, we want we want this to be a whole integrated thing. We want them to see what this is all about. It's like okay, that sounds good. Yeah, I'm 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 ready for that. So a few days go by, and I I never get an email with the information. And uh, it's like Monday, and uh, I send this gentleman an email, and I was like, well. I uh, just was checking in uh, to see what's going on for Wednesday. I hadn't heard from him yet, and uh, and and just you know, let me know what time to to show up. I knew the location. I was familiar with the airport. And he wrote back, and he's like, he apologizing. He was out sick that week. I was like, oh okay, well, that's probably why I haven't heard from him for a few days. So I was like, okay, no problem. I was like, well, we can reschedule for uh, the end of the week or something. And then, ironically, I got sick. So I wrote him an email at the uh, a few days later and said, I guess I was uh, myself a little ambitious. I'm not feeling well. How about we do something next week? And I never heard from him. And I never heard from him. And I never heard from him. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know what happened. Well, fast forward a little bit to some sometime. This is, this is even just a couple of months ago. I found out this gentleman separated from the company. So I'm like, maybe that's why nobody ever got back to me about coming in (laughs) for this job. So in the meanwhile, like the gentleman who worked for the company who kind of referred me to them in the first place, he's kind of, he's giving me some of that inside baseball on working for them and, and going through the interview process. He's like, well, you know, there's a, there's a local charter, there's another company here. And I had never heard of them. He's like, it's a local charter company. They fly PC-12s. Uh, he said, uh, "He said, why don't you give them a call, tell them you're interested in just learning about what they do, and offer to just go do a ride-along. Okay, sure, yeah. So I'd call up the owner, and I was like, hey, I'm Len. Uh, this is my experience. I'm new to the, to the local scene, and uh, I'd love to just go ride along and uh, see what you guys are all about. So the PIC from that gig, he called me a day later. And uh, this was this was like back in the end of April of last year. Uh, he gave me a call. And he's like, "Yeah, you know, meet me out at the airplane next week, and we'll, you know, I'll just take you along on a couple of trips." So I ended up flying this Legacy PC12. Uh, and for 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 those who aren't familiar, Legacy is the non-glass cockpit. Uh, it's the Series Nine and the Series Ten. They they're just a regular. Uh, conventional steam gauge uh, f- uh, cockpits. So I flew around in that um, over the course of the month of May. Uh, I did about 13 hours in that in, in that airplane with that gentleman, and I was like, oh, you know, this this seems kind of cool. So I give the owner a call, and I said, uh, Look, man, I'm uh, I'm in, I'm enjoying what we're doing, but you know, I haven't flown in a while. You guys fly single pilot, and uh, you know, I'm just like. I'm uncomfortable. I'm not quite there yet. And uh, his <laughs> his comment was uh, kind of the stern, well, you know, that's the job we do here. And I was like, well, I completely understand that, sir. But uh, maybe you could walk me through your training process and tell me a little bit about OE so I could get a feel for how this, you know, how the next couple of months are going to go just to make sure that I like I feel confident climbing into the flight deck and flying single pilot in this airplane with paying customers. 
And that's when the bombshell dropped. He says to me, well, you're going to need 100 hours, of P- uh, 100 hours of time and type before you can go out PIC. I said, ooh, that's a challenge. Because at this point, like, I'm just riding along for the sake of riding along. I'm not getting paid. There's no scheme where they can pay me. There's no situation where they can pay me. So I've flown 13 hours with this guy in one month. And I was like, well, that's going to take the better part of like 10 months before that happens. So that whole conversation kind of fell apart. And at that point, I honestly thought the whole kind of transition back into aviation was dead. Fast forward to, I think it was about August or so. And I get a call from the PIC on that Pilatus that I was flying with. He says, Len, I've been working on something top secret. And I want you to know you're at the top of my list. I might need your help with this. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Just keep me in the loop. So a week or two goes by. I don't hear from him. And I, I'm like sending him text messages and calling him. And I finally get in touch with him. He's like, yeah. So uh, it kind of fell through. Um, and he told me what it was. It was there, there's uh, another PC-12 in the local area that needed a, a, a new pilot and somebody to manage the airplane. So he was he was trying to you know basically see I think if it was something that he could do potentially in and around his schedule with the 135 stuff he was doing in the legacy airplane, uh, and it turned out essentially that he couldn't. So he's 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 like, look, we've flown together. You're uh, you know I really liked flying with you, and uh, I learned a whole bunch from you. And so I told the owner that he should call you. And here's the owner's phone number. And I was like, oh, cool. All right, then. I guess this some, we'll see what happens with this, right? So I get in touch with the owner. I call him up. And uh, we talked for like two minutes. I was like, hey, I'm Len. So-and-so referred me to you about flying the airplane. He's like, oh, yeah, okay. He's uh, it's like, why don't we meet out at the airport in the next day or two? You can show me the airplane. We can talk, get to know each other. He's like, sounds good. So we did that. And, uh, and it kind of just progressed. I mean, it took about two months from start to finish to get uh, all, the, uh, all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. Um, but fast forward to, uh, I'm saying fast forward a lot tonight, fast forward <laughs> to the November and I'm, uh, I did some, some, some training in the aircraft and then I went to Simcom and, uh, sort of been, sort of been off to the races since then. So I've been in a scenario that has actually been super beneficial, but since I haven't been, uh, since I don't have like a massive amount of recency of experience, the insurance company wanted me to do 25 hours time and type before before carrying uh, you know before flying solo with passengers so what i've been doing is basically we kind of created our own little ioe initial operating experience with the contract pilots and i'm uh, just about to wrap that up here probably um, probably in the end of this month or beginning of february airplanes in annual right now so She's uh, she's out of service for the next two weeks, but that's that's kind of it's kind of how it all happened over the course of the last year. It's just sort of tr- you know test the waters, see what's out there, things falling apart, new things, people referring me, and it just all kind of just all kind of happened real quick. So the real reason I guess you had started getting back into aviation was not just out of you know a love of flying, but you needed a job, I guess, right? Is that one one way to put it? No, well, maybe? Part, yeah, partially. I was looking for some different opportunities. I did miss flying. I was trying to figure out what what was in the area. I knew kind of specifically some things I did want to do and did not want to do in aviation. I think, and at that point, like going back to the airlines was one of those didn't want to do. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it kind of stems to like, I'm 
solidifying myself and putting down some roots in this new area, uh, what job opportunities are out there and that kind of how it all came together. Um, and, and, and it was good. It was good timing as well. Cause uh, I didn't really know how else I was going to get back into flying at this, at that point. Uh, just, just as, as we all know, like the, the different costs of renting airplanes and getting current. And so it, it really worked out. It really worked out in my benefit. Cool. Well, heck, my plane's coming back in two days, so you can come over and fly with me. I'm, I'm excited about that. You got two weeks <laughs> off. So, you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting when you, you're talking about this is uh, I'm like, wow, a lot of people, they're trying to get back into flying and they're thinking about renting an airplane because, you know, a lot of folks don't have the kind of hours you have and the experience you have. Um, but one of the things that's similar, and I, I like when you said you didn't feel comfortable about flying, uh, you know, single pilot is that there's other people listening right now that haven't been flying a while. And we're talking about flying again. As far as advice to someone who hasn't been, like, for instance, me. I mean, I wasn't in the GA for a long time. For someone who hasn't been in it for a while, you know, what, would you give, what kind of advice would you give to somebody like that that's thinking about getting back into flying again? I, it's, it's really, it really comes down to it might cost more than you think to get that level of proficiency and currency, but it's an investment in yourself. It's an investment in your safety. It's an investment in your own confidence, knowing that, hey, when I take off and I go out and I go do this thing, that I'm back to where I used to be and I don't have any questions about my abilities. So uh, again, like aviation has its has its costs but this is not one area where you want to skimp it's well worth your money to to go out there and do as many lessons as you feel like as many ILSs or procedure turns or steep talls uh, or steep turns and stalls whatever till you feel confident in that in in that airframe so just not getting the basics and getting you know checked out. It's more than that. It's getting getting proficient, and I think that's that's kind of the key. There is is just getting proficient in flying again, which I think is mm-hmm. incredibly important. Uh, but man, that that PC twelve. You know, I looked at some pictures uh, on your Facebook page and stuff like that. Man, what a cool airplane, dude! That that thing looks awesome. And I, you know, when I first looked at it, and you said legacy. I was like, oh my god, what are all those dials and stuff? You know, <laughs> <laughs> what do we do with all that? Tell us a, a little bit about that, as far as moving into that plane, if as because it, I, it, I, you know, honestly, I've never flown in one. So tell us a little bit about it. You know, is it fast? Is it slow? What's it? Com- what is it compared to to somebody as a GA person? Sure, sure, sure. Well, the one I'm flying is actually a, a an NG model, the next generation model. So what that means is it's the Pilatus airframe with the Honeywell Apex. It's a uh, it's a glass cockpit. So I have four screens in there and a whole bunch of buttons. Uh, in fact, the uh, the thing that's really similar. So this this helped me, uh, Carl, was coming from the Embraer that we were you and I were flying at the regional airlines was Honeywell product and had FMS. This is a Honeywell product. It has an FMS. So it like all the different things that I do in this thing, like point bearing distance and all these kind of fancy tricks that we used to do in the Embraer, it does the same thing. So one of the benefits was just having that having that Honeywell knowledge. Uh, there's there's other things it does that I'm I've I've clearly had to learn along the way, uh, but um, but just having that foundation um, when I was in sim training there was a gentleman who was coming from garmin and so for him it was a it was kind of a big leap for him to get used to how things look on honeywell and how things behave 
on Honeywell. Um, so the the avionics is, uh, is it's a great package. Pretty much the only thing it does not have is synthetic vision. And I thought I would miss it, but I used synthetic vision in the sim. And to me, I find that it has some benefits, but also it was almost a bit of a novelty for me. I mean, I'm sure if I was flying with it in the real world, I would come to learn to appreciate it a lot more, but I don't really miss it in, uh, in this airplane. Uh, but it's, you know, it's got, um, it has the onboard radar. We have XM, we have uh, terrain, we have traffic. Uh, as far as the speed of the airplane, cruise about, I don't know, 260, 270. Uh, go up to, geez, I think the highest I've been in that thing is probably 22 at this point. I was supposed to go at up to 25, but I had to divert back home after a malfunction. That's a story for a little bit later, but, uh, it's, it's a, it's a nice airplane. You can, you can keep up with the jet traffic on vectors and the approach. In fact, uh, I am... More often than not being told to slow down because I'm going too fast for the jet traffic. And I'm like, well, I am not used to hearing that in a pist or excuse me, a, a propeller airplane. But uh, it flies super nice. Uh, it's it's um, I think it's not that difficult. It's light on the controls. Uh, yeah, it's just not a. It's not an overly difficult airplane to fly. You'd be surprised coming from a a piston airplane. Um, once you kind of learn the startup sequence in the engine, it's just, it's just, it's a nice GA airplane. It really is. What's your favorite thing about it? Ooh, what's my favorite thing about it? Hmm. It can all a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people, parts. People. Like yeah, people bags. Uh, I took the owner out to Colorado and... <laughs> For the holidays and uh the baggage compartment was filled with cases of wine and presents and skis and the dog and all kinds of stuff and you know of course i'm not used to this because uh coming from the airline world like i have uh, dispatch i have rampers i have uh, all kinds of people like do all this stuff for you so uh, like getting back into being the one man show has been interesting as well, but um, but but yeah, that's one of my favorite things. Is it's uh, it's very it's very capable airplane by all means. Not only for all the stuff that it can haul, but the equipment flying through ice. Oh, have I got an ice story for you guys as well? Oh my! God. I feel yeah, I like in all it, it, in the last two months flying this airplane, I genuinely feel like I've had wilder things happen in this airplane flying in California in the last two months than I've had in my entire history of flying. Uh, I don't know if that's just the universe helping me get up to speed during IOE, but woo-wee, it's been a doozy out there, I tell you that much. <laughs> and you've done some flying in some really cold climates with a lot of snow and ice. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and that says something right there. Yeah, And that's something I've always been curious about this on the Pilatus. You know, what's it like in ice? I mean, how do you, first of all, how do you get the ice off? What type of equipment do you have? Uh, it's pneumatic boots that are on the leading edges of the wing and the tail. We have prop de-ice. We have uh, all, the, the usual probe heat, windshield heat. And then on turboprops, what you have is something called an inertial separator, which is kind of a lot like uh, equivalent in a piston airplane to the alternate um, like the alternate air source uh, in, in some 
ways theoretically, but basically what it does is it uh, diverts the air to help any particles or ice or moisture kind of go through the cowling instead of being ingested up into the engine. Uh, And the first time I flew the airplane into icing, I was flying with, uh, with our contract pilot who spent his formative years flying in Alaska. So I knew that we were going to be out there flying, like kind of like testing the waters and him showing me how, how much, like kind of like how much ice the airplane can take and the different aspects of what happens uh, if you blow the boots too early or you, or you let the ice build up. And uh, so I got a really good experience flying in the, in the ice with him. And, and one of the things I realized is, so the, the Pilatus manual says that as soon as you enter icing conditions, you should put the boots on. So he's like, let's do two things. On the flight up, let's wait and accumulate some ice and then blow the boots. And on the way home, I'll have you operate them per the manual. We can see what the differences are. I was like, okay, that sounds good. So uh, on the way... On the, on the trip out, we wait till the airplane builds up some ice. Some of the obvious things uh, the, that were immediately noticeable is you start to slowly reduce, you know, you start to slowly lose airspeed. Uh, so when I got to about ten knots, twelve knots slower, uh, you know, those are those are some times to make. He's like, those are some times to make a decision. We have to, we if if we're not shedding the ice, we need to make an altitude change. Um, so that was, that was a really interesting learning, learning curve. Cause in the jet, like we never, we essentially never accumulated ice because the system was an anti-ice de-ice. Well, in the Pilatus, it's just, it, it's all essentially de-ice. Like it's, it's, uh, you put it on after the fact, right? Um, so what, uh, on, on the way back, we were using the icing system as the manual intended, but at the same time, I was actually in freezing rain. I look out the wing. I said to the pilot I'm flying with, I was like, something doesn't look right outside. And he looks out and he's like, I was like, to me, it looks like we have run back icing. So, uh, and, and, and lo and behold, yeah, we were in some freezing drizzle, freezing rain, and I was getting run back icing. And I was like, well, this is a first. So I, in all of my years of flying, never, ever experienced freezing drizzle, freezing rain, run back icing. Um, and so I said to air traffic control, uh, I, I was like, I need higher. He's like, we can't give you higher. I've got a 737 descending. And I said, if you can't give me higher, you need to give me lower. I'm in freezing rain. He's like, climb and maintain one seven thousand. And he stopped the other airplane from, from descending. And I was like, because this is like, well, as soon as he heard me say freezing rain, he knew that we needed to get the heck out of that situation. So uh, that um, in that experience with the freezing rain, the run back icing, what I noticed was the aircraft controls were, um, were you know, they, they get heavier, like as far as the aileron control gets heavier, your climb rates affected, all the things you read about when you're, when you're learning these things in the book are all true. Um, so we're still doing about, I think about seven, 800 feet per minute at full power. And we only actually only had to go about a thousand, 2000 feet to get up above the clouds. Um, and it wasn't accumulating so much that we couldn't handle it. But obviously my concern was the run back icing. And so I didn't want to stay in that situation. Uh, so yeah, it's, 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 um, 
it's a capable airplane and uh it's it was good to kind of experience the different the different icing conditions and the different way to utilize the tools to get you out of it so that the run back icing by the way is it's going basically as it sounds it's running back on your wing and other control surfaces etc that's pretty scary stuff it is pretty scary stuff (laughs) because now it's on unprotected surfaces and and not and by unprotected you can't get it off you know so you need to move you need to get it change altitudes yeah. and uh, and if they said no it's like that's time to say hey listen guys I'm gonna have to declare an emergency or something I get out of mm-hmm. this stuff um, mm-hmm. but that that is actually probably the one of the scarier things to have is uh, is that type of icing and it's it's a definitely a good idea to get the heck out of that right away um, but that engine that you're running and I think it's a PT six is that correct. That's correct. Yeah. So that thing has has a lot of extra power. You know, that thing is a, is a workhorse. You know, I've flown in the King Airs and stuff like that. Um, but as far as the, the engine, the de-icing and the boots, um, correct me if I'm wrong, that's running off of the engine. So, therefore, mm-hmm. that's going to take a little power away. How noticeable is that? Uh, I didn't notice the power reduction so much when running the boots as much as just the different controllabilities and and forces and performance hits when uh when there was icing accumulation so that that was that to me what was more noticeable wow you know that's it's pretty exciting to hear something like that but i one of the things that i think is great is you know from your experience knowing what to do next and and being able to jump in there and say hey i gotta get out of this and and not being afraid to ask i think that's another important point there Mm -hmm. um but you know one of the things that i i really really wanted to do someday is fly the pilatus and uh i think uh, there's a bunch of other folks out there that fly this etc but Tell us some other things about the, the systems and any other uh, experiences you had, which have been some, maybe some challenges in the aircraft. Mm. Uh, some challenges uh, getting, even though even though I'm familiar with the Honeywell, is like sometimes what I'm used to doing in the other Honeywell to what I'm what I'm trying to accomplish, and this has a little bit of a different way going about it. So there's. Uh, there's a trick in the Honeywell system, and it's probably in other systems as well, where, for instance, if you're doing a visual approach where that's all there is, like there's actually no instrument approach to back you up. Uh, what we used to do in the airlines is do, we, we basically create a waypoint five miles from the end of the runway and then set it 1,500 feet above field elevation to kind of give ourselves a five-mile final and a three-degree glide slope. So uh, that was one that, like, we were scratching our heads the one day. We were flying out to the middle of nowhere, California, out to the desert. And, and uh, like, I, I said to the guys flying, look, I, I used to be able to do this. Can we do this in this airplane? Um, so it, that, that was something that, uh, that I learned how to do. Um, but... As far as, uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even really know. I suppose there's still a point where, like, I don't know what I don't know, even just having 20, you know, almost 25 hours in the airplane. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun to fly, for sure. Cool. You know, I'm all going to want to hear more about uh, your adventures in the airplane coming up. Uh, but, hey, Russ, you uh, had a question for Len. Yeah, yeah, Len. I was just wondering. You had mentioned how you you, you had flown a little bit to kind of ride along, and then you were flying a while with a contract pilot before you went to Simcom, and then you had some kind of a you you generated this this uh, you know kind of line check or uh, IOE type experience 
you know, homegrown system. I was just kind of wondering what that consisted of. What did you guys have like targets of stuff you wanted to make sure you did or saw, or was it purely just, you know, OJT, whatever comes up or how'd that work? Yeah, it was, it was, it was purely what happened on the mission. And by all means, you would probably be surprised how many goofy things come up in a GA airplane without, without the usual infrastructure from the airlines. Things like when you go out to power up the airplane, it takes four, five, six attempts to power it up properly because it's cold. <laughs> and, and and by cold, I mean like 40 or 50 degrees outside. Like, I don't, you know, it's beyond me why sometimes it takes that long. Or um, yeah, the, some databases is not current and we have to try and get that upgraded. Or there's a message on there that we're trying to clear. Um, so it, the, interestingly enough, like all the on the job training, this OE, there's been such a wide diversity of experiences of, of the icing stuff that we spoke about of getting slam dunked by air traffic control and att- like at first sort of attempting it and then being like, yeah, never mind, that's not going to work. You better vector me back around, buddy. Um, and, um, winds and turbulence and wind shear and flying through active MOAs, not, uh, you know, so on one trip, he's like filed IFR and how we get halfway there. He's like, yeah, I've got an active, uh, mili- an active MOA. You're going to have to, I can't put you through their IFR. It's like, okay, well, I'll just cancel and go in VFR because it was VMC conditions. So it's just been such an interesting dynamic of things that have been happening during this OE that uh, it's it's really helped me think of all kinds of different stuff, up to and including a trip we were going out to retrieve the owner, and out to out to uh, Colorado, and we had a pressurization malfunction. So we're like troubleshooting this and doing all the different things that we can do, and we're like about an hour into the three hour trip. By the time we're like, all right, well this thing's not this thing's not working the way it's supposed to. And uh, we weren't having issues with it holding pressurization, and we weren't having any sort of issues, uh, you know, with the cabin altitude. But there were some other malfunctions going on, and uh, we like talking through the different scenarios of how could we get this job done. I'm like, well, we could drag this airplane across the mountains to get it in there, but if I have any more failures, and then I have to fly another four hours back with that 70 knot headwinds. I was like, no, this this is not working. Let's turn around. Um, So I just like an hour into the trip said, we're diverting and we're going back to where we took off from. And uh, that was a smart decision because I didn't didn't enjoy the cabin was at 40 degrees inside. It was creeping up on us uh, to the ambient temperature. So there's just been so many different things like that during the training that have have been like incredibly useful but stuff you never could have planned for or never thought would have really happened in the real world um so surprisingly all of these different things have been occurring and really just sharpening those skills sharpening that proficiency and getting me prepared to be single pilot in the airplane unknowingly without you know without a plan without a genuine plan of action beyond we're just going to fly fly these missions in real time and deal with the situations as they happen is that what you alluded to about the turn back that you had earlier in the uh, podcast? Is that what you, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah. So we ended up flying for two and a half hours, um, <laughs> took off and landed at the same place without actually accomplishing the mission. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's 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 what I meant there. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so two and a half hours at 40 degrees in an airplane is not pleasant i'll tell you that much man so i mean did you bring anything with you to keep yourself comfortable i mean geez for that is well, a I long time I mean, we had no expectation that part of the malfunction was gonna was gonna be a problem with the cabin heater. So no, no, we were cold. We were oh, just cold. <laughs> but but Len, how is it from a passenger perspective, other than the forty degree cabin? You know, well, that was an empty leg. Yeah, we were going to pick up the pick up the owners. So that that's kind of part of one of the reasons. Part of my decision process was like, yeah, we're not gonna we're gonna fly four hours back at forty degrees in the cabin. That's just miserable. Part okay. part part of that process you know just thinking through all that uh but yeah i did i didn't want to fly in the mountains with pressurization issues and fly at low altitudes just to just to get it done it didn't make sense didn't sit well with me i'm like no we'll just turn back i don't care how much it costs to get it fixed or retrieve them like this is this is the this is the smart decision this is what makes me feel comfortable um and and so that's what we did yeah sometimes the best option is just turn around go back mm-hmm. and uh it's a good learning experience that's for sure i don't think i've ever done that before i don't think i've ever been in a situation where i've had to do that it was it was it's like one of those things that even though i've been i had so much experience flying a lot of the airline stuff is unless you have some sort of catastrophic malfunction like you don't generally turn around and go back um so yeah it's kind of a first for me as well yeah, maybe because you have two of everything. I don't know. Maybe that that could be yeah, it. That's true too, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's yeah, interesting I, listening to you talk about that. Like making all this is all done on your own. You don't have like a dispatcher you work with. No, nobody. I'm I am the dispatcher, the flight planner, the rampy who's throwing the bags on the airplane, the flight attendant giving the briefing, and the pilot. I'm the one. I'm the one man show. I am the one man flight department so just like most of us that are flying ga you're the one man flight department one woman flight department you know and that's really mm-hmm. i think really important is that here you're having these experiences that relate to the, the person that's flying the 172 the the piper the cherokee you know it, it's all the same decision making process mm-hmm. it's all up to you and um you know i i really think that's cool that you've related all these stories to us but uh well, my question is this: Is are you, you think you'll ever get back to flying them little piston airplanes? Ooh, I don't know. That is a good question. Uh, I think at this point, I'm got my appetite full with doing this, and even more specifically because flying the Pilatus and going to the places that we go is a lot more general aviation based. Some of these airports that go out in the middle of nowhere to bring employees to job sites. Uh, and and so I don't necessarily feel that need right now because uh, one of the trips, like I just took off and flew a VFR all the way back. So uh, so stuff like that, like I'm, I'm kind of getting the benefit and enjoyment of that GA world while getting paid to do it in a, in a, in a you know, a pretty cool GA airplane. Yeah, so it's it's the same, you know, GA is GA. I know that it's a different type of aircraft. It's so much different 
than the airlines. I kind of want to stress that to people because people ask me why in the world I go out and fly, you know, the Cherokee, et cetera. And I say, it, it's incredible freedom. And you go to these really cool spots you would never see otherwise, whether it's a Pilatus or, or the Cherokee I fly, et cetera. This is something you don't get to experience with the airlines. It's something that I think us and the listeners as GA pilots, we're really blessed to have is to see mm-hmm. those things uh, that you probably would never get to see otherwise. Yeah. 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 I've been to some really incredible places, some in the middle of nowhere, uh, some big ones that you would know as well if I mentioned them by name. And it's been a nice, diverse experience to to sometimes like I have that kind of airline style day where you go into a big airport. But most days are 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 the the more general aviation side of things where I'm just kind of going from uh, you know from small airport to small airport because if you did that in a vehicle uh, for instance I don't know a trip we did the other day and airplane was 34 35 minutes or something one way probably is about a five hour drive right so it's just it's just incredible how you can get around all these different places and achieve these missions on a such such a faster timeline uh, and and do it fun. Like it's so cool. When I when I when I go down to Southern California and back, they are um, they still treat me like a propeller airplane. So they don't let you fly inland. So you essentially go down the coast when you get around Santa Barbara they shoot you over the over the water to Catalina before they dip you in and same thing when departing southern california they just you take off you fly to catalina and you turn north you're over the ocean for like half of your trip so almost at this time i'm i'm in cruise flight just looking out the window staring at the the gorgeous california coastline staring at the mountains uh, and it's just it's absolutely spectacular stuff that I never saw in the airline world because I, I mean we never flew this far west, so it's it's incredible. It's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, not only that, you usually don't go at those altitudes and see those things. I, I, th- <laughs> no, I think true. people don't really realize that we blast off, head up the altitude, and we're up there really quickly. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's like we're happy when we get stuck at a lower altitude just so we can see those things. And uh, you know, it's kind of and you know, airline guys are like really jealous of that. And you know, GA guys are, hey, you know, I do that all the time. That's what I do. I fly around, look at the hills. So mm-hmm. sounds like your your passion for aviation is getting fulfilled, and hopefully, you'll you'll keep moving forward with that you know one of the things i think larry had this question is about your cfi um Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people don't realize that over time and i guess larry you can actually ask that question if you want about you know how do you keep current as a cfi yeah you you mentioned earlier that you were getting your cfi renewed um Mm -hmm. is it current now like could someone persuade you to be their cfi uh, like pers- you know, someone who needed you to be a CFI, maybe. Uh, I feel like there's a big ass coming at the end of Larry's question, but yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, yes, not it really. Is. <laughs> Just framing it up for fun. Yeah, it is legally current. It's one of those things. I admit, in recent years, I haven't enjoyed as much renewing, but that's also because I never was quite sure. Uh, when I when I mentioned earlier, I didn't think I was going to get back into flying. So as a, over the last couple of renewal cycles, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm, am I ever going to use this again? Even if I do fly, I don't know. Less than likely, but but the big 
epiphany and realization with that is the amount of time and money spent towards pursuing those certificates to complain about $150 and a day or two of online training to keep it legally current is just, you know, it's not, it's not worth, it's not worth throwing away those certificates over the minimal amount of time it takes every 24 months to renew it. So you don't uh, want to let that go. No, never. You don't. You just don't. It's 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 well worth it, um, and a whole host of different reasons. And and like the, I mean, I I may sort of use it now in this airplane. The owner likes the owner whom is not a pilot likes to have enough knowledge and skill to be able to land the airplane in the event that it would be necessary. So. Uh, I think once we get past this this OE, this uh, operating experience phase, I'm not sure how much time he's spent learning uh, in learning in the airplane, but might do a, a, you know kind of a little bit basic stick and rudder skills with him just to get him comfortable flying the airplane. When was the last time that you actually logged duel, like giving duel, I should say? Giving duel, oofta. Mm. Uh, maybe 2012, 2013. There was a gentleman close friend of mine that owned the Cherokee 6 and when I moved away from Virginia um, in fact actually that that might be a little bit earlier so maybe a little bit earlier than that but it was right right before I moved away from Virginia um, I was like when I was not flying for the airlines when I was home I would always like we would go up once a week and we would just do IFR stuff just to keep him sharp because he learned to fly older in life, like later in life. I think he was in his 60s when he learned to fly. So he just wanted somebody to go with him and make sure he stayed sharp and he was proficient. So, yeah, it's definitely been it could easily be almost uh, eight to 10 years since I've given dual instruction. Interesting. I think some people don't realize that we, you know, especially airline pilots, they'll go twenty years without ever giving dual, but they'll be current as a CFI. Mm-hmm. Pretty wild. I mean, I, I actually, when I got back in instructing uh, fairly recently again, I, I started really studying hard to go back over stuff, especially all the VFR stuff. I mean, that interestingly enough, I know we do review some of that, but it's really important, I think, to get back in there and just say, hey, you know, I don't really remember this or, or I, I need to review some of this stuff. And it does come back, and there are some new things. But uh, but if you are going to get back in instructing again, it's a good idea, you know, to, to study up, that's for sure. Even though we do the renewal and I get it, there's all that mm-hmm. stuff we go over. I mean, I don't know what you feel about that, Len. Well, even just getting back in the airplane now without doing instruction – I am spending extra time studying. Uh, currently, while the airplane's in manual, I'm currently going through the pilot information manual and making my own study guide from all the all the material that's in there. I've got some weather stuff I want to review. I've never done an official mountain flying course, but I do fly in the mountains, so I'm going to like study up on that. Uh, and so basically, I, I mean, even... Even though it's been a long time uh, since I've used this stuff and I once knew it, I, I want to be fresher. I want it to be more top of mind. Uh, so I'm kind of giving myself a little, again, a, a, mini, um, a mini immersion course on, on all the different things that, uh, that I know will help me feel a lot more comfortable in the, in the day-to-day, especially since I'm about to be, sing, like I said, single pilot in the airplane. So it's new, right? Single pilot, single engine, 
you're the you're the one man flight department. It's uh, it's just a different way of thinking. So I almost feel like I almost feel like I need to be ab- above the game, the level that I was at at the airlines because there is no support system. There is no one to fall back on. There is no one else to ask these questions to in the thick of it when you're out there doing this stuff. Like you're the last line of defense. So, uh, so I'm, I'm definitely spending a lot of time and going through a whole bunch of different things and getting, uh, getting up to speed. Yeah, being the pilot in command, being everybody at once. I mean, this is really, um, you know, this it's it's what we do as GA pilots, and uh, it's interesting when you hear. Uh, and I love that some of the airline pilots listen to this. Is that when you get back into this, and Len, you've got a few thousand hours, and you're still studying, and I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, you're yeah. a great example for somebody getting back into this. Um, mm-hmm. But just in general, before you know, this has been awesome having you on. I know we're uh, we're up on our time and all, but uh, we'd love to have you back on to find out, you know, you know, some more things as far as and updates as to your flying, etc. But just kind of. If somebody's looking at getting back into flying again, no matter what they are, maybe there's somebody who's got their private, they stopped there, somebody that's actually been flying as an airline pilot, et cetera. You know, maybe you could just give us a you know a couple little tips. I know you went over a couple before, but if I'm thinking of getting back into flying again, what what's some advice from Len Costa? I'll just do it. It's just money, you know. It's it's, <laughs> and I say that casually, but at the same time, it's true. It's just money. You'll it'll it'll come back around. Uh, go out there, go find a, if you, if you haven't flown with an instructor in a while, find a new instructor, find somebody that, that you like, go do a lesson or two. See if you're like, if you're, if you're really jazzed up about it, there's plenty of resources online from websites to, to, to different online courses you can do these days. I went through the King School's uh, uh, VFR refresher course and IFR refresher course last year as one of the tools that uh, just to kind of get my mind thinking again in that direction. Um, and, and, and quite honestly, I think as Carl said specifically, you'd be surprised how it does come back to you. Uh, one thing I'll say... I don't. I'm. I'm sure a lot of people have a similar experience with this. I. I don't think we all go into it uh, coming back into aviation. We don't just all excel. But uh, at first, but it, what was interesting to me is I did. I did three hours of training in the aircraft before going to sim simcom, and then I was in simcom for a week, and I was shocked when I got in the airplane, like how I was moving about the flight deck and my radio calls and just how everything was like on point even in the simulator get out of the simulator get into the real world flying missions and i and then i felt like a dum dum i was like man i'm just there's it's just for some reason it's just different so don't you know don't feel bad about those different those different curves you have the learning curves you might feel like amazing like i did the first the first couple of weeks and then you might feel like a dum-dum for a little while and then you know you'll gain that confidence back with with the time and the proficiency um but yeah just check out all those free resources online there's tons of them and and don't be afraid to go out and spend a little bit of money on a on a cfi definitely don't do it alone i would not recommend that (laughs) that's good advice the other free resource of course is fasafety.gov they have a lot of those same courses you talked about there too but there's so much stuff so much and that's some great advice um well len what's the next adventure Ooh, the next adventure is 
I think uh, I think I might do this for a few years, and then maybe uh, maybe I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm still I have some ideas. We we'll kind of see how they play out this year, but for right now, my main focus is uh, just making sure I'm I'm at the top of you know at the top of my game with this for for obvious reasons. But uh, yeah, there's we, we could we could have that conversation again down the road as as I'm as I get settled in here with everything. But um, yeah, so far. I figure I'm gonna do this for a couple of years and uh, and just enjoy it while it lasts um, and and see where it takes me next. Awesome! I can't wait to see uh, what happens next with your flying, and uh, and then like I said, I mean we haven't really talked a lot, maybe a little bit online and stuff like that, but uh, you know because you know what you did here, I mean you created something amazing, which is great, and it's really helped a lot of people. It's helped me too, and it's it's. Uh, Gosh, it's helped a lot of folks just because of what you did and how you inspired me to start another podcast called Aviation Careers Podcast. Remember, it's like talking about this. Hey, why don't you just start another one? It's like, really? <laughs> like, I have all the time in the world for that. And I had no idea. And we don't in life sometimes know that. And that's, I think, important about watching your journey, where it's going to take us and where our flying life is going to take us to. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I had no clue that I would be working almost a full time job just doing like the career coaching I do and all the different seminars on, you know, getting ready for an interview and, and especially the scholarships guide. I mean, that really, um, you know, through your inspiration and, uh, you know, kind of other people that have helped me along saying, Hey, just keep doing it. I, I remember, you know, I know we had this conversation a while ago and, you know, people saying how crazy I was for doing that. And, and now, I mean, now we're selling the heck out of those books and it's helping lots of people. And I think that's great. And it's a lot of it's a testament to seeing what you've done and, and moving forward and watching what you've done in both aviation and all the other things you've done in life. So I think the biggest takeaway from, for me, whether it's in aviation or otherwise, is just go for it, do it, you know, mm. whatever it is, you know, it, it's really, cause you don't want to live a life of mediocrity and unfulfilled dreams. And, you know, you really want to go out there and, and try things, whether it's in aviation or anything else in life. And, you know, there's an aviation podcast, but I really think it does inspire us to, to reach, uh, you know, reach for the star, for the skies, as it may be, and fulfill our goals. Um, you know, we have co-hosts here that have actually gotten back into aviation because of you. Uh, you know, one of them, Bale English, who hasn't been, wasn't able to get on tonight, but, you know, he went back, renewed his CFI, and now he's out teaching again. And That's it was awesome. a lot, and, and, you know, he actually wanted me to relay, I thought he was going to be on tonight, but he wanted to relay that to you because of that. So, so you're, you're inspiring people, even though you've been gone for a few years, and this is really cool to have you back. So I can't wait to go fly with you, and I'm hoping, hey, you never know, maybe we'll see you at Sun and Fun this year. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. You never, you certainly never know. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out this whole new schedule, and it's not an airline schedule, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Might, might be possible. Yeah, dude, we'll, we'll talk offline about that. <laughs> but uh, but dude, this has been a, this has been a blast. This has been a lot of fun. We got we got to go fly and get in trouble again. Well, uh, if any of my co-hosts are out in my way, I can tell you that uh, free PC twelve rides are just come along on uh, one of my flights for the day. Free PC twelve rides. That's all I got to say about that, dude. I'm I'm all over that. That's for sure. <laughs> Len, it's been great. Thanks so much for coming on. And, uh, you know, this has uh, been wonderful having you back. We're going to take you up on those PC-12 rides. We want to make sure we see some uh, pictures on Facebook. Any other websites you want to either uh, share with us? I know if we have any questions, you know, it's going to be easy. Stuckmikeafcast at gmail.com. We'll send them along to Len. Is there anything as far as your contact information you want to share? 
Uh, no, I just you can you send them like you, you, if you guys receive anything, just forward along to well, me. I don't have anything. Uh, I don't have anything online. I haven't had anything for a while. So, uh, yeah, but it'd be great to hear from folks and uh, and catch up with those uh, those folks that do get in touch with us. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's man. really fun to see everybody on here again. You guys have done an amazing job over the over the last few years without me and um I'm I'm real proud of what uh, what's become of this podcast and 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 how big it's grown and how many people we've influenced and helped along the way. So thank you Carl, thank you everybody for being a part of that and 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 helping uh spread the love of aviation. Well, and we really appreciate that. And, you know, for myself and Larry and, and Rick and Russ and Tom and Victoria that were on tonight and all the other uh, hosts, co-hosts that have been on through the years, we really appreciate you coming back and being on the podcast with us. And we can't wait to have you back on again. And if you're listening right now, uh, hopefully his story has inspired you to maybe start flying again. And I'd love to hear your stories right into us. Stuckmikeavcast at gmail.com. If you have questions for Len, please do that. And, you know, I hope his stories inspired you to get out there, go flying. We'd love to see you and hear your stories. We'll talk to you next episode. Stay flying. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production. Thank you.